Hello and welcome to Gilead. I'm Rebecca Anderson. I'm one of the pastors here. On July 17, 2022, we were so happy to welcome uh, as our guest preacher, Reverend Kayla Bonuel. She was in Chicago spending part of her sabbatical with us, but she's normally a pastor at the Church of the Open Arms and Cathedral of Hope, Oklahoma City, both in Oklahoma City. We were so glad to have her here as part of our series, Hammered and Nailed. I woke up and not my bed. And the first thing I saw was a handwritten note on a yellow eight and a half by 11 piece of computer paper. At the top in all caps, it read, Kayla, you are in Luke's apartment. If you wake up after 7.30 a.m., ask my roommate to lock you out, take care, exclamation mark, and then his phone number. One of my personality perks is that I tend to make myself at home. If I'm at your house, and I asked to use your restroom, it's really code language for, I'm gonna walk down all the halls of your house and stick my head into every open doorway and admire all of your things. I crave details, so I will quickly catalog all that my eyes can take in, and then for good measure, I'll gently peruse the items in your bathroom doors and cabinets. I'm not judging you or anything, I'm just a little bit nosy. I'll ask my friends and congregants if I can go through their purses. It might be awkward for you the first time I ask, but over time you get used to it. And then it becomes a fun little game for both of us. <laughs> of course, I respect a person's decision to not let me go through their purse, but oftentimes the other person learns just as much as I do during the treasure hunt through their bag. The first time I slept in Luke's bed was because he had hosted a drinking party for our college friends. We graduated in 2002. And on this summer evening in 2003, many of us were back in town from all across the country. I didn't usually drink much at parties, but on this night I thought, what the hell, and wrote my name in black Sharpie on a red plastic party cup. Part of making yourself, part of making oneself at home includes making oneself at home in your own body. So the second I started to feel buzzed and tipsy, I decided to go lay down. I quietly left the living room and found an open doorway, bedroom, calling my name. I thought, I'll just take a quick nap to sober up and then rejoin the party. Imagine my horror when it was the sun that woke me up the next morning and my friend had already left for work. Five years earlier, Luke and I had been as close as BFFs our freshman year. We were both religion majors at United Methodist University with plans for being ordained. Luke was equal parts class clown and nerdy computer Star Wars aficionado, which is why I'm calling him Luke in this story. <laughs> he had short curly red hair, brown eyes that were always winking at you, and dimples with a smirk. Our sophomore year, we submitted an honors project together, Techno Cosmic Mass, a worship service with a DJ, the Cosmos, and shaving cream on black plastic trash bags. It was good worship. But sadly, that year, we grew apart. Luke started dating a girl who wasn't so keen on his friendships with other women, and I came out as queer. There was no alphabet mafia back then, so I landed on the label of lesbian, not queer, since it was mainly hot butch girls that I was dating. Where once Luke and I had been cuddle buddies, now there was a cold blanket of silence between us. During our last two years of college, we were like strangers passing in the night. I never knew what he thought of my queerness, but I felt that he disapproved of it. 
To be gay and ordained was not allowed within our denomination, so I officially left our home of the United Methodist Church behind. The book of Jeremiah is a collection of sermons, poems, and essays that the prophet Jeremiah wrote while living in Jerusalem during the final decades before the Israelites were conquered by the nation of Babylon. Jeremiah tried to warn the people that unless they stopped ignoring social injustice, they would become exiles and refugees driven from the land. Big surprise, the people did not change their ways. So King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed their temple and carted many of them off to Babylon, where they, quote, wept by the river when they remembered Zion. But in the middle of this tragic book, Jeremiah sends a letter to those who are in exile, saying, I know you're far from home. I know you mourn for what used to be. I know this place is not like the place of your birth, but God wants you to make yourself at home there. Build houses, plant gardens, have relationships, create families. There will be a way for you to come back home someday. But as always, I, God, want you to live in the ever-present now. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. I don't know for sure, but I imagine that's what the people did. They began living their life against a new backdrop. They made themselves at home in a new context, among people who spoke a different language, and they created new memories and new traditions. My For You page on TikTok is frequently filled with people who describe themselves as spiritual refugees, those who have left or been kicked out of their religious home bases. Mormons, people from the FLDS, Fundamentalist Church of Latter-day Saints, Evangelicals, and more. They bear the scars of religious trauma and have a hard time trusting any community of faith. The denomination I fled to when leaving the United Methodist Church is known for being a home for spiritual refugees. It's hard to find anyone who was actually raised in the UCC, except for Monica Carmine. <laughs> Most people come later in life after leaving or being kicked out from somewhere else. The morning I woke up in Luke's bed, I called his cell phone and profusely apologized for hijacking his bedroom all night. He laughed it off and said he was happy to host me anytime. I learned that in the three years we hadn't talked, he had gotten engaged to his girlfriend, but then they broke up. He apologized for all of those silent years in our past. We fell quickly back into our hugging and cuddling BFF status, but this time, when he winked at me like he always used to, my body tingled. During the previous year of grad school in California, I realized that I wasn't, in fact, a lesbian. I'd been exploring relationships and sexuality with men and persons who today would probably identify as non-binary. We didn't have any language back then, so as requested, I omitted all pronouns when referring to the person I was dating by name only. After a few more weeks of cuddling, Luke and I decided to share a summer of love together. Because I love list making, I made a list of all the fun things we could do while dating over the next three months. We systematically accomplished pretty much all of them and crossed off each list on the item as we went. The list included watching Stephen King's It, swimming, picnics, worshiping together, and having sex. Having sex had the most tick marks next to it. 
And that's the worship theme of Hammered and Nailed, thanks to lie. <laughs> that summer, we attended the wedding of a mutual friend from college. While he and his soon-to-be wife were standing in front of the minister, ready to say their vows, I leaned over to Luke and whispered in his ear, that's going to be us up there someday. <laughs> as soon as the words left my mouth, I realized that it sounded like a creep creepy wedding proposal, <laughs> but in actuality, I meant that one day we'd be standing before an altar wearing clergy robes, married <laughs> He smiled wide and whispered back, I knew what you meant. <laughs> when I left the UMC three years earlier, I attended a local UCC church, and at first I was skeptical and nosy, I asked lots of questions, I explored every nook and cranny, I rifled through the drawers in their bathroom, and finally, took off my shoes and sat cross-legged on the front row. I found a place to fall home. That summer, Luke came with me a few times to the UCC church and noted their open and affirming way of life. At the end of the summer, I was going back to a West Coast seminary to become a UCC pastor, and he was heading out to an East Coast seminary to become a UMC pastor. And so it came to pass. I was ordained in the UCC 12 years ago, and Luke, within the UMC. I attended his wedding 16 years ago to a brilliant and gorgeous woman he met in seminary, and we keep up via regular phone calls and visits whenever we can. Over the years, the rift in the UMC regarding LGBTQ issues has grown even wider than when I left 20 years ago. To my surprise and delight, Luke has become an out loud and proud LGBT ally and activist. He is the creator and writer of a famous blog within the denomination. And this week, when I hit the search bar on his website looking for articles including the word LGBT, it came back with over 87 pages worth of hits. A few summers ago, the UNC General Conference became a worldwide shit show, as many of us watched and with David Breath, while the denomination set out to once and for all decide the fates of LGBTQ people within their tradition. Luke's Twitter feed gave me the play-by-play -play access to what was happening live and in person on the conference floor. I found myself wondering how and why did Luke become such an ally? A straight white cis male who cares about and fights hard for LGBT inclusion within the denomination of our upbringing? I decided to ask him this question the next time we caught up. On the phone a few weeks later, I said, hey Luke, how did you turn out the way you did? I mean, what made you decide to be an LGBTQ ally? He replied, Kayla, you, you are what made me decide. How could I not do everything possible to make the church of our childhood a safe place for you and others like you? You are an amazing pastor and you never should have had to leave. I want the UMC to be a safe place for you and for all the up-and-coming queer Kaylas out there. I was stunned. I had no idea that our summer of love had been a catalyst for social justice. It is too late for me and the UMC. I have already built a house, planted gardens, and formed relationships within a tradition outside the city walls of the home of my childhood. I'm so grateful that Luke was trying. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Thank you.